Hello, friends, everywhere you are, and then welcome to Enabling Supply Chain Management Channel, ESCM Indonesia Channel, and then me, Efrata, again in here, become your host for tonight, and then as you know, we always learn everything new every week. And then uh, this Sunday, we will have a very interesting topic. And then we have a special guest uh, who is the uh, the person second time in here. Yeah. And as you know, Mr. Frederick Bitzger. Uh, hello, Mr. Frederick. How are you? I'm good, Efraza. How are you doing? Happy to be back. It was a good discussion the last time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, for us too, um, we enjoy when you are here, and then uh, this is the second time we are pleasure to have you in here, and thank you for uh, your willingness to sharing with us yeah, tonight, Frederick. And Most what? Welcome. Happy to be here. Okay, uh, you still in Dubai, right? Close to. I I changed my job, so I'm actually in Abu Dhabi now. So oh, Abu Dhabi okay. is around one and a half hours driving away from Dubai. So country is the same, United Arab Emirates, but uh, I'm in Abu Dhabi now. Okay, but the time zone still so, same, country, same. Yeah. City. What time is it in Abu Dhabi now? So I'm still staying. Okay. It's uh, 4, 4.32 exactly, PM. So you are three three hours ahead of us. Okay. I believe yeah. it's 7.30 right in, in the yeah. yeah, it's already dark in here, yeah. <laughs> so thank you, yeah, Frederick. And uh, yeah. our our friend maybe uh, need a little bit introduction again yeah, from you before maybe uh, some of them are new in here. And then uh, can you just tell us a little bit about your self and then yeah especially during this uh, pandemic situation what are you doing something like that yeah frederick yeah yeah please for your introduction frederick yeah. mostly through the pandemic situation i'm staying home <laughs> so, but uh, i'm frederick and I'm, I'm really happy to be here I, i'm as uh, i said i'm in uh, united arab emirates where i'm uh, overseeing the position as uh, executive director for the largest health insurer in the UAE. Uh, my job is, uh, is is completing or performing a digital transformation of the company. And, and one of the things that I'm really most involved in at the moment is a complete turnaround of our customer services and sales operations. And I've been in the Middle East for around eight years now. Before that, I was living some years out of uh, China and then I moved to Thailand for some years. So I'm originally from Denmark and I left Denmark, I guess. 15, 20 years ago, I never looked back. So my, my speciality is is business transformation, business development. And one of the things that, as you always also heard here today, that one of my specialities is, is doing the presentations or and the transformations through people, because that's that's key to getting things done and getting value from what you're doing. So that's very short. Me, you'll hear a little more later. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Frederick. Yeah, again, and then. Um, until we wait for everyone in here yeah because as you know some of them maybe come late so as usually we play with the mentimeter yeah okay um before we start the presentation we will play the mentimeter for our friend um please prepare your gadget and then open your favorite browser from your mobile phone or from your uh, computers yeah just open www.menti.com and then use the code 9226689. 
and then when you enter the code you will uh, see the equations um, one word about business innovation okay um, so uh, please join us this is the live event so when you enter the word you will see what is uh, what is the business innovation um, from your answer so everyone give me the give me the number again if that's i cannot read it on my screen can you give me the number one more time nine two two six six eight nine yeah we have one word in here frederick company yeah business innovation must be from company is it <laughs> Okay, friend, uh, can you just uh, join us in here? So, uh, put one word about business innovation in menti.com. Um, you can go to menti.com and then put code 9226689. Yeah, we can see computer. Yeah, what do you think, uh, Frederick? Business innovation must have a computer. I think it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see because mm. uh, if I'm looking at this, th there is so much different meaning in this. Mm. And, and I think that's the right way of seeing it because business innovation is everything, right? It is, mm. uh, it, it, and it's, <laughs> I like the, the one who wrote Survival. I like really that one because that, that's, that's key to getting things done, right? Mm -hmm. Breakthrough is another good one. Mm -hmm. but, but actually, uh, and and I hope you can send me a screenshot of this after after this because this is really interesting because what it shows me that when we talk business innovation it is it is everything right mm. if if you look at the, the, there are no typically when we use this menti there, there's going to be four or five words that really stand out but here there, there are so many different words and that just tells me that that when people they think business innovation they think a lot of different things uh, that one I like solution is also mm. good. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then uh, COVID-19, yeah, what do you think? Why uh, COVID-19 appear in here? Because COVID-19 is, is a driver or, uh, mm. yeah, one of, one of the things that really pushed business innovation in, uh, in, in, many, uh, in, in many business settings. Mm, yes. Uh, one of my, 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 one mm. of my pet peeves when you talk about COVID and innovation is actually, uh, now I'm from the insurance industry, of course, and when you look at the development in the insurance industry, then a lot of the insurers who said that they they did innovate or transform themselves, what they did is they took the existing processes and made them digital. Mm -hmm. But to me, that has nothing to do with transformation, because if you're going to do transformation, you also have to change the way that you do your processes. Otherwise, you're not transforming anything. You're just adding power to it. Mm, okay. so, so I think... Um, COVID-19 made a lot of things digital, but not necessarily transformed the companies. And I, I believe it's, it's very important to, to mm -hmm. separate between these two things, because if you have a, if, if you have a, a long and cumbersome process that, that mm -hmm. requires a lot of signatures and approvals, and you just make that digital, mm -hmm. well, maybe it's a little faster, but you still have all the long process that requires all the approvals. Whereas if, if you transform the same process, then you actually start you know, thinking about 
auto-approvals or setting limits so a computer can do it or, or skipping the process. So, so the process from A to C actually becomes much, much shorter and mm -hmm. thereby faster and involve a lot of fewer people. Mm -hmm. There's two different things, and, and I think it's interesting to see. I think it's interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, also uh, one word uh, quite interesting is expensive yeah, in here. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, business innovation have um, a relationship with expensive, something like that. I think it. Uh, I think it all. It all depends on the eye of the mm -hmm. beholder. How how you look at it, because. I guess you can say, but it's also one of the things we've been talking about today, right? I guess you can say that mm -hmm. it, it is expensive to change things, mm -hmm. but if if you know how to define the value that you're getting back, mm -hmm. how to measure the value, mm -hmm. and and of course how to realize the value, then I mean, if you pay 10 million and you get 15 million back, yes. uh, will you say that 10 million? Will you say that 10 million are expensive? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, I mean, if you pay 10 million and get nothing back, then this is expensive, right? But if you if you pay 10 million and get 15 million back, mm. then it's a good business, right? So yes. of course, the 10 million is is a lot of money, <laughs> but but if you get 15 back in a year or two years, then it's a good investment. Mm -mm. Yes. Yeah. We can see there's a strong word, yeah, about the investment. Yeah. And but quite. I mean, I mean, it's. It's interesting to talk about because mm -hmm. this is, of course, uh, now I'm just putting my. Mm -hmm judgment of the word into it, right? But it's typically yes. if you go to the board of directors or some approval committee and say, oh, by the way, I would like to have 10 million for this. And and the people you talk to, they don't know about mm. this kind of technology and they don't know how value it will bring. Then they'll say, this is crazy. We don't know about it. It's too expensive. Get out of here. Mm. So it's it's there are many aspects of, of this and it's, it's a fantastically interesting uh, discussion because in most cases, it's because people, they don't know what you're talking about. So even if if you if you go and talk to to approval committee that everybody needs robot robot uh, robotics process automation mm -hmm. and they've never heard of it before and they don't know what it is then yes. if you present it a quarter of a million dollars for example then that's expensive because they don't know what they get. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So and, uh, yeah. and that's a very good topic because we're going to talk about it today, right? Yes, this is the, the first part of what I've been telling you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, looking forward to hear from you, yeah, <laughs> Frederick. And uh, one interesting in here, I see that uh, people and robot in a different world, yeah, in here. Uh, so, um, which one do you pro uh, people or robots uh, about the business innovation, Frederick? I think uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't have an elegant answer. But it, but it, I think the the people will change the processes so the robots can take over. Mm. I, th I think that's okay. that's how I see it because you cannot have robot change processes. People, they you need the the brain and the creativity and everything we've seen here. Mm -hmm. You you need that to change the processes to make the change happen. You need the, the the people to carry out the changes. But in many cases, a lot of these changes actually results in robots or automation doing the jobs. Mm. That's not necessarily a bad thing, and I also appreciate that a lot of people they think about, wait, what's what happened to my job then? Uh, to me, it's not necessarily a bad thing because history shows mm. that when you automate, when automation is coming, it is actually generating even more jobs because business is improving, and the people who had the brain to change the process, to change the company, to make uh, ready for the robots and the automation are, are the people who stay in the mm. company simply because the company needs them to define new processes so the company can grow more. 
Yes, yeah. So, yes, I think that there is a, there's a, there's a, I read a good book. Um, yeah. ah, I forgot the name of it. Uh, who, who made who made an analysis of how technology has changed the the requirement for resources, human resources over time. Hmm. And he found, and, and this is not something he said, this this is a statistic proven, statistically proven. He says that in average, each new technology that has been invented or introduced since uh, they invented the wheel, basically, has, has increased the manpower requirements with 200%. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, the, exist, the existing jobs, they go away immediately. Mm. But they create so much more, and this this is why, if you look at it, this is why the, our world is is still in, uh, growing, right? Because mm. we continue to cre create new things we can buy or do or <laughs> invent, right? And that takes people. So it is it is always the the jobs in the lower part of of of, of the chain that uh, that that gets uh, redundant, right? But but it always creates newer, and and that's another one of my pet peeves: education. Mm. I cannot say that enough. You have to continuously educate yourself. Because if you don't educate yourself, eventually you will end in one of these jobs that can be redundant. But if you make sure that you educate yourself, you keep yourself relevant, you'll never be redundant. Yes, yeah. Uh, that's that's why yeah, robot maybe cannot uh, replace all of our aspect as a humanity. Yeah. <laughs> And the big no, word... No, no, no. I mean, yes. robots, uh, creativity, creativity uh, critical thinking, mm -hmm. uh, cultural creation... I mean, that's that's not going to be replaced by robots as long as we live, for sure, and maybe also the next hundred years, right? So mm. there'll always be something new that humans can do that robots cannot. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, although maybe uh, they are an AI, but uh, of course they cannot replace us uh, completely. And uh, the big word in here is technology, efficient, and solution. Yeah, Frederick. Uh, as you know. If more than one people, two or three people uh, saying the same word, the word uh, become bigger. Yeah. So technology is dominant in here, number one. The second, I think, efficient and solution. Yeah? And then uh, the rest is uh, quite the same. And I think it's the time for the, the presentation, eh, Frederick, because it's already 7.15 in Indonesia time. <laughs> 15 minutes already we are doing the uh, menti.com. Yeah, let's, let's jump in. Let's jump in. Yeah, I'm I, all in. I'm ready. Okay, yeah. Thank you. And then, uh, friend, um, please uh, prepare to hear the presentation from Frederick. And then I hope everyone is already in here. Uh, 15 minutes already. And uh, as you know, if you already... Uh, aware about this channel after the presentation we will have the question and answer so if you have any questions please feel free just uh, put your questions in the chat box in this youtube channel yeah? and then after the presentation we will have a question and answer to discuss about your questions feel free to ask um, it's okay if you want to ask in indonesia it's uh, it's fine i can translate it to frederick as well yeah? so uh, yeah, you can I cannot, i cannot answer in indonesia that's for sure <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but so better to us in English, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, better, friends. <laughs> yeah, um, okay, thank you, um, Frederick. Um, I will pass the time for you to do the presentation. So, friends, enjoy the uh, presentation about deriving business value from technology and digital innovation by Mr. Frederick. Okay, please, uh, the floor is yours. 
Thank you so much. So um, I, I think the, the introduction here was actually perfect because what, what it showed me with, with all the different words is that we all feel that there is this need of, of, of doing something, right? Whenever we, we read a white paper or, or go to a website and, or look at the, the webinars that are there at the moment, it is always disrupt or die or if you, if you don't follow your technology, then you're going to get out of the business. All these things, which is, which is completely true. I also know from, from the talks I have with people uh, all over the world, actually, that one side is, uh, okay, so how do we, uh, I mean, we have to do this, otherwise we will be out of the game, but how do we do it? And that's 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 the big question, right? How do we actually how do we actually get this innovation done? So so today I'll be talking I'll be talking about three things actually, and and, and the main is of course when we start starting the innovation, as we also saw from uh, so so from uh, the introduction with uh, with the expensive word, one of the the key enablers for actually starting innovation is in a company is to define the value that it's getting. So so. First step of today is how do we how do we define value, and that's going to be a more you know broad discussion about how do you in, in general for business cases in, in business how do you define value and how do you materialize what value you're getting out of doing something. That is that is the first step that you need when you go to to the board for approval. Remember the example if you come and say I need 10 million, but here's a proof that you get 15 million back. That is that is a good way of saying things, but you still have to define how do you get the money back. So, um, so that's that's step number one, but that's far from enough because now we've defined how we how we get the value. Then we also have to look at how do we actually realize the value? How do we measure that we are getting the value that we promised that we would get? So, so we have to find ways of measuring the value that that we promised that we would get for this business innovation or investment. And and the very last part is. We know what value we want to get. We know how to measure it. So how do we actually get it? And that's uh, that's the three things we will be talking about today. So if, if we jump into if we jump into the to the value definition, I saw from uh, from the Menzi that you you were looking into um, into expensive into uh, efficiency, which which is which is true. But I think you can see from uh, from the next slides, uh, the slide after actually. That that when when you um, when you define value, hey, that's my book. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I got carried away. Um, I, I wanted to show you this one because uh, what I'm talking about today is, is is part of the book that I wrote. Now the book is is very very focused on on the insurance industry. Of course, that's why it's called Insurance Next. But I would say that 80% of it is is general applicable to to all businesses, and it, it is about how you in a very, very, very pragmatic way, transform your existing business to something that is much more future-proof. So what I've been talking about here today is, is an extract from the book. And if you want to know more, yeah, please go ahead and buy the book. Of course, I'd be very happy. So so let's let's move on. Uh, I think a couple of slides, if, if you don't mind. Uh, so the, the value definition is very, very simple. And, uh, and that's why it's working. Before going to that, it, it makes sense to say, okay, when we're looking at, at this innovation, we have to look at is, is the innovation delivering on a, on a strategic priority or is it delivering sales, commercial value, or is it more helping us save costs? 
this distinction is interesting or, or relevant because it will set your mindset. Is this is this innovation actually a, a business driver? So it's driving new business, or is it more a business support? You will you you need to use this information for going forward when you start to define the value to set the scene for this. And as you can see from the next slide, the the value at least when you're looking at financial business value can can be give, given from financial business in basically only two ways either you can increase sales or you can reduce costs it's it's that simple but that's also why this model is working so very well so whenever you you start looking at business innovations you will look at okay is this driving business or is it supporting business when you know that you will go and say okay how does it create value does it increase uh, your sales to your revenue or does it reduce your costs? The example I have here is, um, is, is from, from one of our own uh, data quality management projects. Uh, it, that, that, that is an expensive project where, where you are creating a master data management strategy. And on top of that, you are, you are creating a, a quality data quality program. So we had to say, okay, this is expensive. So we need to demonstrate to uh, our investment committee that the money will come back eventually. And, and here you can see even for, for a thing like data quality can be split very well into both giving more revenue, more sales and reducing costs. Because when you start to know what data you have, you start to be able to control your, your, your customer relationship management systems much better. Your CRM system will tell you what opportunities to pursue, what opportunities to spend your time on. That means that your sales force will spend their time more efficiently and theoretically get more sales out of the same effort. So out of the same person, you will get more sales because the data helps that person select better, price the products better and so forth. On the other hand, on the cost saving side, data quality reduces a lot of wasted time to update data. It gives you the ability to create much better statistics, much better reports. And with the better reports, you also have an idea of where to improve your other business projects. So if, if you know exactly what is costing the money in the company, you can rely on these data. You can also say where you want to tweak the data. No, no, not to tweak the data, tweak the, tweak the, the other processes in the organization simply to, to get the value out of, uh, the, the cost savings out of the, the data project. So this is, this is important. This is, this is, it is as simple as it is, but this is your stepping stone. When you're looking at a, a business innovation, how can this help me make more money and how can it make me save more money? But that's one thing. Of course, when, uh, when, when you've defined that, we have to go and look into the next step, which is how do we measure this? It's one thing me standing and, and telling that, hey, if we get this data quality project, then we are going to sell so much more and save that much more time. But another thing is, is proving it. And at the end of the day, the investment committee, your board of directors, they want to see that what you promised is actually coming back home. And this is uh, what we can see from this slide. This is, um, it's called value stream mapping. And it, it can be as complex as you want it to be, but it can also just be very, very simple. I think if, if, if most of you are from the uh, supply chain industry, then then you would know this this technique very, very well. But let me just, run through it real quick. So value stream mapping is, is splitting what you're doing in a specific process. That could be the sales process into two. The time that your salespeople is actually spending handling the process and the time the salespeople are waiting. 
So the customer is coming in and the salesperson have to look up the dates, they have to enter it in the CRM system and, and cross control if, if the customer is somewhere else in the organization. Then he has to get some information from the customer, submit it to a pricing department maybe, and then he has to wait. This is outside this process. The person has to wait for, this, for the pricing department to come back. Then the price comes back. And again, if the, the, cost, the, the salesperson then has to go back to the customer and negotiate the price and so forth. Now, in this, in this concept, let's, let's take this example. If we are looking at better data quality, then we can actually say when, when the, the prospect is coming in and the salesperson is spending time entering the data and all this, if you had a structured way of entering and getting data, then you would save some time here. When the, when the request goes to the pricing department, if they have the right information and the right historic information of similar customers, they can price it faster, which means that the waiting time is becoming shorter and it comes back to the salesperson again faster. And, and all in all, you're reducing the time and thereby the effectiveness on this specific data quality project. And then you have a very easy way of measuring when your innovation starts to deliver value. Because you can say today it's 10 minutes after the data quality has been implemented. Well, it's three minutes, which meant that you saved 70% of, of your time so this is this is super this is this is super relevant and uh, and, and important for um, for this step, but it, it's it's not enough, right? Because now now we've set the targets, but we also have to make sure that that the people who are working with it they understand the targets. And and next slide shows you um, shows you how you can do this. You um, you you know you know the value that you want to get out of it. You know how to measure it, and then you have to split it out into the people who are working with it. So here you can see the. The overall target is that we have to reduce our customer churn from 28 to 12% by the end of this year. This can then be divided onto months, just a, a theoretical example saying that, okay, month on month, we have to reduce our customer churn by two percentage points. This is where you start to measure specifically the value that you're getting out of your innovation. And of course, at the end of the day, if you're working with, with many different customer segments, you can say segment A, has to do this, segment B has to do that, and then each and every person in the whole organization can measure exactly what they have to do and when they have to do it. So that, that's the basics. Define how your innovation is going to give value for the organization, sales up, cost down, split it out, and define how you want to measure it, preferably by very, very small time units so you can see over time while your project is ongoing if you're delivering on the target, and split it out to people. And uh, that, that was the easy part, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say. The, the more difficult part is, is coming now because how do we actually get the value? So until now, we've been sitting on, uh, at our desks and, and looking at, how, theoretically, how, how can we realize the value, right? But, but this one uh, shows us how do we get the value. Now, the first step is, is to understand our organization because our organization is actually the unit that has to deliver the value and if you look at um, if you look at our organization today basically all organizations today we, we are living in a, in, in a in a place where we are having war on multiple fronts right we are having the the front which is the change in customer expectations they are becoming more and more digitally savvy we are having a, a huge technological advancement that our competitors is, is making use of. Our competitors, uh, at least some of them, 
they're getting uh, very nervous because of the the pandemic. So in order for just to to keep their cash flow running, so they can pay their bills, they're dumping the prices, which increases the competition insanely in the organization. You have you have partners who are thinking about the the, the virtual integration. So maybe they want to go up in, in the feed, food chain and and challenge you or or so forth. So so today, the environment that we're working on is is um, is making the markets move like a snake. And and if, if you're looking at if you're looking at how how we're deriving value, um, if you how, how do we how do we derive value when we don't even know where the market is? So we have to take a look at how do we do strategy and how do we actually do project planning? If right, if you go, I think two slides ahead, I would be happy. That was the snake. Yep. And the next one is uh, is showing how how we do projects today. Because typically projects and strategies and, and even uh, the business innovation projects are done in, in, a, in a traditional waterfall model, right? In a, in a sequential, first we do that. When we're done with that, we do this. When we're done with this, we do something else. And then we do something else again. That's a very static way of moving projects. It is, it is typically also specified to business units. So this is your responsibility, Mr. Business Unit, and then you cannot touch this because that's my business unit, so you cannot touch, and so forth. It is it is a frozen process, which means that now we have the project, we have the project plan, let's go deliver. And we don't change anything because if, if we have to change something, we have to stop the whole project, make an impact analysis, look at the different um, streams in, in, in the waterfall project, change it, change the deadlines, change everything, uh, freeze it again and move on. That means we risk at the end of the project to not be where we wanted because the world has moved so much. And even uh, as you can see from the next slide, even during the projects, you will see that if you have the linear project delivery and you have a market that is far from linear, you, you will theoretically never be on par with the market. Only when you cross it to so go on the other side, right? So, so that doesn't help you generate or deliver the value that you need from your projects or from your business innovation, simply because you at any given time will be too far away from, from the real market development. Maybe the demand from your products will be very high for some time because of unexpected things happening by the COVID or competitors. And then all of a sudden, you will have an innovation from one of your competitors that floods the market so the demand will go down for your products. And, and you need to be in a position where you can actually, where you can follow that. So, so um, yeah, I, tried, I tried to show it in the next slide where, where, you, where the goal of, of your project delivery or your business innovation is actually create create a project team that is that is so flexible that that they're capable of moving the project or the innovation alongside the changes in the market i think you all know this that that you start a project which has an 18 month timeline and at, at the end of the 18 month uh, you actually reached your target but the 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 market is somewhere else so so it's going to be a 36 months project because you have all the change requests following the first project and, and the, 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 the scope or the target of, of doing this is that, first of all, you will realize that this is a living animal. Your innovation will actually never stop, right, unless it fails. <laughs> Otherwise, it will never stop. It will continue to evolve. So, so you might as well break it into as, as many small chunks as possible to be able to evolve with it and with the market. 
And that, that requires a, a new way of working. And um, it's called Agile. And, and you've probably heard this many times. Uh, and it, it, it is it is what it is. I, I'm a little allergic to that word because it's it's been you know such a buzzword, just like uh, just like digital transformation. I've heard it too much. But but agile is, uh, as you can see from the next slide, agile is is simply just a way of of structuring how you deliver projects. So in, instead of saying okay, this business unit have this responsibility and that business unit have that responsibility, then it is a process responsibility. So the innovation is touching processes. So you have to, when you put together the project team, take people from the various business units to represent the process that you are solving. That also means that you, it's, it's more difficult to, to freeze the project because you cannot say, this is where we have to be in 18 months. You can only say, this is the target. We want to get this much more revenue or we want to make this, more, this uh, much cost savings. But right now, step number one is to do these things. So let's do this and deliver that now. And then let's do that and deliver this next step. And then you don't know anything else because the words will change. You will get experience from what has happened and where you are while you're building this project. And this is the key to success because you will test some things and, and say, okay, this worked, but this actually works better. And, and you will be able to move either with your company or with the markets. And that is that is a huge difference from from the traditional way of thinking. So two things here. First of all, you don't think about business units. You think about the process, which typically goes across business units. Second of all, you start thinking about chopping up what you're delivering into smaller chunks and make these chunks immediately usable. So if you look at the sales process, then the first chunk could be helping the salesperson. Just get the right data from the from the from the prospect and stop there. First delivery. Next delivery is understand how to send the same data to the sales no to the pricing department. Chunk number two and so forth. So when you release these chunks, you will also get feedback from the actual user saying, "Hey, that worked very well," or "That didn't work at all," and you can go back and make it work instead of waiting 18 months. So when you deliver everything, they say, hey, that first part of the journey didn't work. And then you have to start over, right? So, so these, these are some of the benefits, but it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's hugely difficult for an organization to live with. Uh, and, and of course, when, when you're looking at this, then the, the first thing you would say, I guess, if, if you were asked, what is the biggest hindrance to do that? You would all say culture. And I would completely agree with you. I, I, I just had, uh, it's, it's a couple of months ago, I had an idea, I just wanted to make sure that it actually was culture. So, so I, I posted a survey on, on LinkedIn asking that question, what, what, is, what is the biggest thing stopping you? And, and obviously 47% of, uh, of the people, they said uh, it's culture. I think though, it was interesting that it was only 47%. Next slide shows that 53% actually gave other causes, lack of management commitments, um, egos, and a silo or bureaucracy uh, culture in the company. That is interesting for me because, first of all, who changes culture? People does, right? But, but here, if, if you look at it, you, you can actually claim that 53% of people say 
the biggest hindrance is not the culture, it is the people who is forming the culture. The egos, uh, which is actually one of the things that came out, people's egos don't want to innovate or, or transform the company. You have the, the lack of management commitment, which can also be said, maybe it's the egos. And then you have the silo structure. When, when I deep dived into this, at the end of the day, it, it really gets into the, the human nature's reluctant to change. We don't like to change our habits. If you're smoking, you don't like to stop smoking, right? If you're a little overweight, you don't want to start losing weight by exercising or changing your eating habits. It's very, very difficult. Now, this is even more difficult when, when you get into an organizational setting, because then all of a sudden you have, of course, people who don't want to change, but you're also changing people's position in the organization. If you go to a business unit and say, oh, by the way, this team is coming and starting changing, changing the way that you work in your business unit, why would you want that? You have been running this business unit successfully for years and your, your yearly bonus has been very good because you know what you're doing in this business unit. Your power in the organization is strong because you, you, you're, good, you're doing good at your job. And then this guy is coming and, and telling you, uh, no, but we have to change the way you work. And you don't, why would you want to do that? You don't want to do that. You only want to do this if you really have a big problem, which most of companies actually don't have. Not a big problem. It's a huge showstopper. And of course, that, that can boil down to, to the ego, right? I want to, I want to, to keep my power position. I, I want to make sure that nobody is, is changing my influence in the company. So, and since I don't understand what's going on here, I'm going to block it. Another thing, and um, that, that could also lead into to the management, lack of management commitment. I don't know if you remember, I said half an hour ago or so that um, when, when you go to the, to the board of directors at the investment committee and they say no to your investments, uh, in, in many cases, it's actually because they don't understand what you're saying. They don't understand the benefits of what you're doing and they don't understand the technology that you're suggesting. And then it's better for them to say no, because then they don't make any, make any mistakes in, in their decisions. Which is why the, the demonstrating the value and especially how to measure and how to get the value back is so important when you're proposing this. But do not underestimate that if you're coming with business innovations that are a little new to the market, to the company, to your company, make sure that before you actually come with the, with the actual innovation proposal, prep them. Send some information, show them some. There's so many videos on YouTube that is most likely about what you want to propose, right? So find some, and no more than three, five minutes because people, they, management, they're not going to watch more than three or five minutes. Find some videos, find some white papers, find something that, that can educate them just a little bit. So when you come with the proposals, they've heard of it before. They've seen all the beautiful things, the white papers on YouTube, wherever, right? So they're more open to listening. These are some of the techniques that, that you have to use to, to get over this. Another thing, which is the most important thing, when you, when you have your approvals and you actually start the projects, make sure that you start small. I cannot emphasize this enough. It, it sounds not so ambitious, but if, if you start a large-scale ambitious transformation project, you will fail. And why? Because you're starting to change a lot of people's habits at the same time. You're trying to, you're changing their jobs, their positions. You are, you're giving a lot of people in the company an unsure future and they will resist you. It is much, much more 
safe to start with a small project with a project group that are motivated and all gung-ho to get this done with you. And then when the results from that project group starts coming in, you can spread it out like swings in the water, but not before that. You need a proof of concept. You need a, a following of pos positive people who are, who are working with you, who believe in what's happening and who can demonstrate that you're realizing the value that you promised that you wanted to realize much, much easier in a small project. You're in control of it, you're in control of the people, you have the overview, you know what's happening. If you're running a project with 600 people and 18 different process streams, unless you have the exact right team and, and you are very, very skilled and experienced in running this, you will fail. And I, I'm sorry to say it so direct, but, but that is my experience. So start small, get the experience, earn the stars on your shoulder and move on and move on and move on. This is, this is the way you, you make the, the necessary cultural changes, organizational changes, to be able to realize the value that you defined that you wanted to, to get out of your business innovation. So that was, uh, that, was, that was the first part of what I wanted to talk about. I actually, um, I, I, actually I, would assume, I would assume a lot of you uh, are thinking about exactly this, right, IT. So, well done, Frederick. Now you talked about the organizational changes and value and all this, but we have archaic IT systems. We have a monolithic system that, that doesn't allow changes. So we can come with all the innovation we want, but it stops at IT. And you're not alone. That's 80% of all companies, if not 90. And if you're in the insurance business, it's 98% of all companies. So. That's one of the good things. You're not alone, right? But how can you use this? Well, since you're not alone, there's also a lot of smart people who's been thinking about what to do. Gartner were the first, I believe, who introduced this concept of bimodal or two-speed IT. I like to call it three-speed IT. And let, let me explain. The point here is that you start looking at your IT systems and what is required to carry out your innovation in different lenses, so to speak. You look at your existing old archaic monolithic system that is running today and say, okay, I'm not going to touch that because you are not going to touch that. If you are going to touch this, you're looking into development cycles of years and change requests and prioritization meetings and you, your innovation is going to be old school before it's even ready to, to hit the markets. What you do is to create a, a layer outside your core systems an API layer, a middleware layer, whatever you want to call it. But what it is, it is a layer that, and that, that takes some time, obviously, but that has some connections down to your core system. Look up customer, do this transaction, all these things, standard things, connections into the core system. But, and then it translates to a top where you put what is called the, the systems of engagement. This is your websites, your apps, your partner portals, all the things that you're working with. But these guys can connect at will and, and play around. You can make customer journeys, you can make new customer experiences. It is only when, when the, the top systems, your website, your app, has to commit something. For example, issue policy or sell product. It goes through the API and down to the core system. And, and these connections have been defined once and for all. It is, it is not easy, but it's doable. And it is, it is the only way forward, if you ask me, to, to work with your IT systems. Because time, time where you, you implement complete new financial systems in your organization, it's, it's over. 
simply because it takes five years. And where is the world in five years? You don't even know, right? We knew that better 20 years ago, but now it's like this. So if we start doing something that's ends over here and in five years, the world will be up here, right? And, and we just lost the investment or we are burdened down by a series of change requests. You can see from, uh, from the illustration here also that that as, as a rule of thumb, your core systems will take three to four, six months and then forever to change. And um, and when you're looking at, at your middleware, that's typically one to three months to make changes. And this is also the changes that go down to the core system, the connections here. And, and the top layer, there you have an iteration or delivery cycle of two to three weeks, which is uh, very, very acceptable when, when you're working with new systems and innovations. So that's uh, that, that's how you put together that's how you put together your your IT to IT structure in, in a way that actually works and is doable. It is doable. Trust me, I've done it many times. Uh, this one uh, that you're like now is, is an example from uh, from the real world, right? This is this is how our, how our structure looks like, where you have the you have the core systems, the financial core systems, of course, in the bottom, and then you have the the, the rules engines, the business process engines in in the middle layer, which is where we change our processes. It takes longer time because there are some dependencies, but still it's one to three months. And on top of this, you have everything that interacts with our customers. And um, that's, that was uh, an, an ultra short bonus about IT. It's not easy. And, and I've, I have a lot of talks about how to do that with IT. And it's also a part of a large part of the book if you want to know more. I think you can find me on, on YouTube or LinkedIn where you can see some of the presentations I've done on this, because that's also a huge topic. I think the takeaway here is to start thinking in in different speeds of IT and then uh, isolate the core so you don't have to do too many changes to the core because that's going to kill you. You're not going to do anything. It takes too long time. So I think uh, I'll stop now. We 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 kind of took the, the whole tour around how we how we define value in in terms of do we sell more or do we save more by doing this. How do we how do we measure this value? We could use the value stream mapping. How do we make sure that that we measure it month by month? And because we are starting to deliver in in shorter cycles, we can also deliver measure the value delivered much much faster and and change the direction if we can see the value is not really being delivered as we were hoping. So that requires a new way of thinking. Your organization start very very small with teams that go across the processes that are willing to change, show these successes to, to the rest of your organization and slowly build on top of this. And of course, make sure that, that IT is your best friend, because if they're not your best friend, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, that's a fact of life. I'm done now, Ifrata. If there's any questions, I'm more than happy to, uh, to continue talking. Thank you. <laughs> okay, yeah, thank you, Frederick. And then, uh, of course, uh, some of our friends are really curious, yeah, with uh, some of the questions. And then um, we will uh, continue with the question and answer. But first, thank you, Frederick, for the presentation. And then we will uh, say hi, maybe, for uh, some of our friends before I read the questions from our friend. So, uh, yeah, some questions already in the uh, chat in this youtube channel and again our friend if you want to have any questions to interact with frederick tonight then uh, please feel free to uh, write down the questions in the chat chat box yeah in the in this youtube channel um 
Uh, we want to say hi to Mr. Suburyadi and then Mr. Abi Prasetya say guten Abend, Mr. Frederick. Yeah, guten Abend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, They're very uh, close to my native language. Yeah, yeah but uh, do you still remember how to uh, speak in uh, speak Dutch, right? <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, no, I I do I do I do remember how to speak Danish because my uh, my my father is living with us here in uh, in Abu Dhabi, so uh, mm-hmm. and, and we speak Danish of course internally. Then my wife is from Thailand, so I speak Thai with her, and we have uh, a, a, new, a newcomer to the family. He's only a year and a half, right? So we don't know what language he's going to end up speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a mix of everything, right? So so yeah yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of very very, very international house here. <laughs> yeah so uh, quite interesting yeah. Um, and this is a one question from Mr. Suburyadi in Indonesian, but I will translate it to English for you yeah, uh, Frederick. Uh, the question is thank you thank you yeah <laughs> of course uh, the question is uh, how uh, we learn the strategy. Uh, so we can implement deriving business value from technology and digital innovations yeah about uh, how uh, to learn the strategy again a, a strategy is a strategy is two things right it is it is it is a big vision saying we want to be here in some years and then it is a, a drill down on how to get there into small projects, small processes. So, if you want to look at how how to how to how your innovation can can support your strategy, then then look at the value again. If your strategy says we want to make this much money and make that much profit, and have this market position in uh, in 2025 or whatever. Then, then you can look at the, the various departments in, in the company and say, okay, how can innovation, what innovations can help our procurement department to save money or to select better vendors? How innovations, how, what innovations can help our sales department sell more and, and, and so forth. And when you have these innovations, you again can go to the next level of granularity and say, all right, this innovation can help. And how will that then give value to our organization specifically? And then you have the whole presentation one more time that I, that I just gave here. I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Mr. Subur. Um, and then the next question is from Mr. Suryo Prasetya. What is the example of business innovation that applicable for now in insurance business? Yeah, maybe your comment about the insurance yeah, business. Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Uh, a, a simple one is is what you can call a, a digital patient journey or a digital health journey. Mm. So, so, so here, for example, when, when you become a member, you, you, you download a mobile app because otherwise you don't have access to, to all your benefits or, or your, your health insurance card. So, so you use the app to book an appointment with a, with a hospital or, or a doctor, whatever you need. However, the app will ask you a few questions. And that is actually a very, very clever engineered symptoms checker that is developed by, by a company in, uh, in, in Switzerland. And, and based on how you respond to these questions, the, the app and, and the system behind it will, in 95 of all the cases, say, okay, fantastic, very well. Here is the, the, the doctor or the clinic that we suggest you go to. Click here to make an appointment. You click, you get 
overview of appointments, you click on the appointment, it is confirmed. When you get to that provider, they already know you're coming, they know your health insurance card. If you need pre-approvals, it's pre-approved and you just go to, uh, to the treatment. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a significant innovation uh, in, in the healthcare insurance uh, industry. Mm -hmm. uh, so so that, that's one example of, of what we're working with. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, quite interesting technology. Yeah? Um, yeah, I hope um, that's answered, yeah, Mr. Surya. And then one question from Mr. Krisnov uh, for you, Frederick. What is the best KPI for measuring business value? Yeah. yeah any... I hope I, I answered it before, right? Because mm -hmm. business value is two things: sales up, cost down. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, of, of course, because everything you're doing in, in a business, unless you're uh, unless you're a charity, charity organization. Then, then you you in it to make money, right? And how can you make money? You make money by selling more, so you get more profit from what you're selling, or making sure that when you sell something, you you have reduced costs, so the profit increases. Mm -hmm. So, so and, and that KPI can can only depend on the type of innovation that you're doing. So, if if you actually go through this structured approach that we spoke about today, then then the answer will give itself actually especially the, the first two slides that I showed where, where you have this very simple cost up, uh, no sales up and cost down. If you really pin that out and specify that, how can this innovation make us help us make more money and think it to the extremes and then come back, then, then, you're, then that'll, that'll define the KPIs that you're looking for. So it's, it's a very generic question, so it's also very specific, difficult to give you a specific, uh, a specific answer, but mm -hmm. that's the best I can do. Yes, <laughs> but uh, that's a good quote, yeah. <laughs> Sells up, cost down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you'll remember it forever, and it, it helps you in everything that you're doing in, in business and, and business cases and whatever you have to work with financials. Yes, yeah. Okay, thank you, Mr. Krisnov. Um, I hope it's answered. And then uh, Mr. Suburiadi asked again uh, regarding the first questions, yeah, uh, Frederick, about the strategy, how to learn, uh, and then how to learn the strategy. And he asked, uh, especially for the millennials, yeah, because, um, yeah, maybe he mentioned millennials because it's quite different, yeah, um, different culture, different way of working. Um, uh, what do you think, Frederick? Um, how to learn the strategy or how uh, we can implement the uh, deriving business value from technology and digital uh, innovations uh, for millennials? Ah, that's a good question. I, I would I would go back and say it, it, it it's not it's not different because mm. a, a strategy is still a strategy is still we have to go here by this date and then and then you break it down into okay if we have to go all the way up here and then you break it down and then you have a plan for where we have to go tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after and the day after to get there your your, your challenge comes when when working with with the millennials because they they, they work differently than what, what we're used to again if 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 you do a, a thorough job and define values and measurements for everybody so everybody is crystal clear when i go to work tomorrow my job is to move this number from 250 per hour to 275 per hour then that is a very very clear specific way success criteria 
and and that's just a stupid example, right? But but the, the more specific you you can you can drill down your strategy and the targets into to almost daily achievements, then then you also have a way of working with everybody because you you can have your own way of working. But but if you know today my job is to finish two hundred of those, then how you finish the two hundred? This is probably the new thing that everybody has to learn because that's up to the individual. As long as they're not doing something illegal, right, or, or wrong from the company, if they finish the 200, very well, congratulations, you did your job. And and that's that's the way of thinking now. Traditionally, we, we are thinking we also want to tell people how to do their job, but uh, but millennials, uh, they don't need necessarily need to be told how to do their job, but they need to know what what the output of their job is. Mm. So what we expect from them on a daily or weekly basis, right? So, so I think that's the way that you have to, to think how to uh, how to translate your strategy into actions for everybody. Mm. Don't tell them what to do, but tell them what they have to deliver mm. and make it very specific also with deadlines. This has to be done by tomorrow, 4 p.m. How you do it up to you. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's uh, quite different, yeah? And be specific for millennials. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, we hope that's answered, yeah, Mr. Subur. And then the next question is from Mr. Ahmad. Mujadid, uh, where's the position of innovation strategy with certain amount of investment consequences amongst increasing revenue versus reducing costs? So, um, what do you think, Frederick? I think I need to understand the question a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Where's the what was the first part of it again, please? Yeah, where's the position of innovation strategy uh, amongst the increasing revenue versus reducing costs? That is um, that is extremely company dependent and, and, and industry dependent. I would say um, in, in insurance, it is it is probably thirty percent outbound, which is meaning increasing revenue and seventy percent cost containment, cost reduction. Because the only thing that an insurance company actually does is pay claims, right? So, so whenever an insurance company can save just a little on the claims that they are paying, it's just pure profit. So insurance companies, I would say their their innovation is, is probably 70% focused on, uh, on on cost reductions, but not necessarily people cost reductions, but the claims cost, the cost of going to the hospital, the cost of repairing your car. That's that's the things that insurance industry is very focused on and, and much less like how to sell the insurance because most of insurance products is, is mandatory. Um, it, I think you, I cannot, you cannot be general. Then you, then you have... Uh, then you have other industries that, that is the other way around, where retail industry is is very much focused on pushing the products, uh, which is which is much more sales and how do we find the right customers and how do we attract them, how do we retain them, and, and of course also cost focused. But it, it varies very much from from industry to industry. But but all industries they need innovation, of course. Mm. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Mr. Fredrik. And then uh, the next question is from Syahmardi Jacob. I interested with your presentation, Mr. Fredrik. Okay, uh, glad you like it, yeah, Mr. Syahmardi. Especially, uh, he want to ask about uh, innovation die. How we could anticipate for resilience of our business? Maybe about the innovation die like this. Uh, what do you think, Fredrik? Business resilience is about agility, right? I think it was was it uh, the, the the evolutionary for, uh, scientist Darwin. 
he said uh, survival of the fittest not necessarily the smartest but the ones who were best adapted or adjusted to the situation if you understand how the industry you are in is is moving the speed of which it's evolving and and where the moving parts are and how it's evolving and, and you are constructing your company or your innovations to deal with that uncertainty then you're the fittest you may not be the smartest or the strongest but you're the fittest to that situation and that's how you create uh, corporate resilience to make sure that you are the best position to, to respond to changes in your environment better than the others the others can have much better products but if you're faster to respond you will win mm. okay yeah hope that's answered yeah mr siamari jacob And then this is the last questions from Musin Rahman. Good night, Mr. Fredrik. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining us, Mr. Rahman. Uh, I want to ask how to calculate the cost of innovation against the value of innovation. Any method, maybe you can explain. Yeah, please, Fredrik. Actually, you, you can do the you can do this. The, the cost of innovation is is typically fairly easy, right? It is cost of the stuff you need to buy which is typically consulting hours it can be software products mm. it can be physical goods it is the the people within your organization that have to spend time on it if you put a team together of seven people that work full time on this well that's the seven people's salary right that's the the running cost of the innovation Um, it is IT costs if you need to develop some things internal. So if, if there's five people from the IT department that have to work with you, then that's their price. So it's 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 very much. I think it's called time and material, right? It's it's very much. Um, it's, it's it's very much. What is what does it take? To, so so when you when you're building your case about doing innovation, you also have to say who's gonna who's gonna do it. How do we implement it? And and what what stuff do we need to buy, so to speak, to to get it done? Thanks. Yeah, you can uh, compare to the um, to the human power as well. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. thank you, friends, uh, for the questions. And then now we already uh, at the end of the sessions, so uh, we already hear the key takeaways maybe from Frederick. And then we want to hear uh, from you, Frederick, about the closing statement about today's topic, deriving business value from technology and digital innovation. Yeah, please, Frederick. Thank you. But I, I think I think the, the main takeaway is that it is it is not necessarily difficult to do innovation or transformation as such. If, if you approach it very pragmatically, you know, sales up, cost down, and then break it down from there into the actions that you have to do and and understand that that your biggest challenge is to to onboard your organization and make the team work with you thank you very much okay yeah thank you uh, for tonight's session and then this is very fruitful and then uh, our friends show that many questions and they are uh, really interested uh, with you your presentation and then um, friends if you want to connect with uh, frederick He is available in LinkedIn. Um, we can see a lot of materials there. Uh, yeah, many things you can learn from Frederick. There are video and then uh, many sharings. Yeah. And then thank you again, Frederick, for tonight's sharing. And then um, pleasure to have you in here. Thank you for having me. Take care. See you soon again. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, okay. Uh, friends, 
uh, thank you for tonight session and then uh, again uh, me Efrata from ESCM uh, Indonesia want to say uh, thank you again uh, for joining us and then we will see you in the uh, next week and then next following weeks we always have uh, different topics and then we learn many things not only from supply chain perspective but uh, many things from industry uh, good night and stay healthy goodbye <laughs>